everybody, it's Mike Jeff for Chicago Jazz Magazine, chicagojazz.com, and welcome to another episode of Around Town with Chicago Jazz. And on this episode, vocalist Paul Marinaro is with us, a good friend of Chicago Jazz Magazine, a good friend of mine, and uh, he has got an incredible project coming out, not quite yet, the new release dropping October 28th, and then he's got a release, album release concert, November 4th at the Studebaker, right downtown uh it's in the fine arts building by the way fineartsbuilding.com for tickets we're going to talk all about this this is not your standard uh you know jazz recording this is a a major recording project and we're going to talk all about he's got the kaya string quartet he's got a six seven eight piece horn section with him a rhythm section and uh the the tune selection that he's got on this recording is is meaningful to him and we're going to find out all about that so paul how are you and congratulations and it's good to see that you're already at the studebaker waiting for people to <laughs> uh well i'm great and uh i'm actually not at the studebaker it's just a uh, fancy fancy digital technology uh i can change the background i'll 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 switch it up as the interview goes along <laughs> Uh, but yes, that is that is full Studebaker, newly newly restored. Yeah, uh, hundred and twenty. I think yesterday, uh, last week, one hundred and twenty four years. Um, their hundred twenty fourth anniversary. So, we're one of the few uh, first performers performances back in the space. So, yeah, it's going to well, be fun. I'm I'm glad. First of all, I'm glad they redid the space because the location of the Studebaker uh, Theater, which is in the Fine Arts Building, which is 410 South Michigan Avenue, um, is centralized right in Chicago. So it makes it for a perfect spot for people to be able to come and see a show. Also, it's not a small club, but it's also not a massive theater like the Auditorium Theater. So it's you still get that intimacy, which your music really, um, I think, requires if you really want to get a full feel, you know. So it, it's about 640, I think we were talking before we came on. So that's a good size room with good acoustics now. They redid the sound. They redid the lights. And I'm sure that's probably why you decided to do your release event there. Because, first of all, you have a lot of musicians, so you can't do this in a small club. Number yeah. One. But number two, you know, it, to have a historic uh, building that you have this release in and also reading through your liner notes and stuff it's kind of like a historic kind of like a, a, a kind of a throwback sound in some cases with some of the tunes that you've selected so it's almost the perfect atmosphere that you're going to create at this uh this album release right yeah uh you know i i i had never like like many people i'm finding in chicago they they've heard of it uh but no one no one remembers attending anything at the Studebaker. And that's because a large part of their history in the last couple decades, uh, it was a movie theater for a while. Um, it was dormant for a long time. Plans for restoration had been started and then stopped. And obviously the world stopped for the pandemic. And that was ironically, that's when they actually got the bulk of the work done was during the pandemic. Uh, but my first time in the Studebaker was, um, I believe 2018 when I did a, uh the Sinatra at the Sands concert with uh with the CJO we actually did that twice we did it right out of the pandemic as well but the first time I just walked in and I'm I'm a huge uh, architecture nut and uh I just love history I love old history and just walking into that space and being in the fine arts building um you feel the ghosts they're in the walls they're part of they're part of the ambiance the you can't uh, remove the history from a building like that. Uh, you have to kind of stop and, and take notice of it. 
so I instantly fell in love with the space. At that point in 2018, it was a little rough around the edges. There was, you know, a little dusty. As you said, the sound and lighting was not uh, where it needed to be. Um, but all of that, they have done a remarkable job bringing uh, the space into um, its next 124 years. Uh, so it's um, it was my first choice. Obviously, it's 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 larger than um, a CD release typically would need. Uh, uh, the space is wonderful, but there's a lot of seats. So uh, we're going to need a lot of butts in those seats. Uh, but once I realized we, we went back and forth, they have a great plan for the future. They really want this to be uh, utilized by local artists and, um, you know, kind of have it be, uh, be known in Chicago again as the gem it, it is and uh, had been. So we're really excited to be to be doing it there. I I was the first time I was in it. I think I saw you playing with the CJO when you guys did the live yeah. dance yeah. thing. And I hadn't been in there, and um, I'm so happy that they're redoing it because you know it's so centrally located down there, and there is not a theater that still has that intimate feel um, in the proximity of downtown Chicago because you're always in the in the larger theaters. So let's talk a little bit, though, because this recording, you could not do this in a small club if you're going to have everyone that is on the recording, which you are, <clears> performing for this. I mean, what is there? There's 14 <clears> tracks, I think I saw, right? And, and 14 you tracks. Have, and you, you've got, you know, pretty close to a ra- ra- your regular rhythm section that I've seen you perform with a lot, mm-hmm. Mike Alamana, Tom Weitz, John Tate, and George Flutus. But then you also have horns, right? You have a six, seven piece horn section. With well, we have, it's actually four, it's a four piece horn section um, with uh, some tracks have uh, the addition of a flute. Okay. Jim Galaretto is an addition on the flute and Rajiv Halim is an addition for clarinet. Uh, but other than that, the, the, it's a, it's a, pretty much a four piece horn section. So we have Chris Madsen, um, Greg Ward, Raphael Crawford and Marcus Carroll. Uh, and then the other ones come on for, for different sections. Got it. Uh, got it. Well, and then you also, that, have... also have the Kaya string quartet. So, yeah, I was going to say, then you have the Kaya string quartet. So, I mean, this, this uh, the venue that you have, the Studebaker theater, of course, fineartsbuilding.com for tickets, but Studebaker Theater, 410 South Michigan Avenue. This is the perfect venue because you're going to have all of these people. Now, are you going to play this recording straight down during this show? Our plan is to do the album in its entirety. <clears throat> so we have everyone, in, uh, including uh, two backup singers, uh, Alyssa Allgood and uh, Sarah Marie Young is on the recording. Uh, she was not available for this date. So we actually have uh, Mike Alamana's daughter, Gabriella. Alamana is going to step in um, for uh, for that role, the soprano role. Uh, So, yeah, it's uh, it's it's quite a big, quite a big group of people to uh, to schedule. So we're all good. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, we needed that space. We really needed the space. Uh, We didn't want to, you know, pack, pack them in tightly um, just to kind of let let the musicians breathe on the space and and let it ring throughout that that beautiful space. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the recording. So there there's tracks on here and I see a lot of classic tracks, but I think there's a David Bowie track on here and there's different tracks like that. So let's talk a little bit about the process. How did you, how did this whole recording come about? Because this had to be something that you've been working on for years. And uh, this isn't something that you put together real quickly because I mean, just thinking no. about selection of the tunes, but then also you have to arrange all the music for these types of things and, and everything else. So talk a little bit about how the process got started. 
Well, um, yeah, it was kind of a, it, it kind of has been gestating for many years. Uh, after um, I was very late to the recording, to the recording game, even when I did my first album nine years ago uh, without a song, which was kind of a perfect entrance for me because it also went back to the past and and was an homage and a tribute to my father um and you know his lost dreams of in music and kind of picking up where he had left off and and honoring that um that did quite well um and uh, did a live album in 2015 after that and there there were a lot of other um albums planned mm-hmm. uh and, uh, you know, everything in this business is about somehow tapping into the momentum that you're able to create. And if you do create momentum, you want to ride it. You want to you want to see where that can take you and keep going with it. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I had had many different things that have happened since that time that just would kind of stop me in my tracks and I'd have to regroup. Uh, largely uh, the end of 2017 Christmas Christmas of 2017, I uh, got quite ill. And most of 2018 was spent uh, having surgeries and recovering. So I was kind of knocked out at a really inopportune time. Um, And at that time, that was the first time I had ever taken a pause. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, when you're in this business, you just keep going, you keep taking gigs, and you lose track of time sometimes, because you just follow that momentum. But that was the first time I really took a pause and and was worried that, can I come back? Like, you know, you take a year off, you lose gigs, you lose that momentum. Uh, Will people care who I am anymore? You know, these things when you're stopped with nothing to do, but but lay in a bed for, for much of 2018. Those are the thoughts I had had. So I worked really hard to get better, to get back in shape. And uh, 2019 was probably my biggest year that I had had. It was really kind of a comeback year for me. So we had talked about getting back into the studio and recording. And I'd gone to tour up. I was doing different tour, uh, gone to Europe, doing different tours. And, uh, you know, everything seemed great. And then, of course, 2020, the pandemic. And it was that, you know, gigantic pause again that we all um, we all got stuck in, you know, and at that time, uh, being in the pandemic, looking back on it now, we we know how long it there was a gigantic uh, swath of time that we all just had no idea. But when we were in it, we didn't know, is it going to be another two weeks, another month, another two months? You know, no one knew would be we'd be well into two years and still worrying about it. Um so when it came time, when we saw that a little bit of the light at the end of the tunnel, uh, Mike and I, you know, regrouped and I said, you know, I, once we get out of this, we really have to, I have to get back into the studio. I have to record. And I, I mean, you can't go through something like that collectively and individually, uh, something like the pandemic and not come out different. You have to be affected by that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you weren't, you weren't paying attention. You weren't involved. Um, and it was interesting for me because many of the songs that we had planned prior to record, I wondered what they meant now. Um, did they have the same meaning? You know, the stuff that were... Uh, the songs that were working really well in live performances that we had done that I had planned to record. I questioned, you know, after the pandemic, like, I don't know, is this where I'm at right now? Where, where am I? Uh, 
as we went through all of that and I analyzed the songs and we added songs to it, uh, the concept kind of germinated and took place. And it was that it was all about being stuck in limbo, being paused, whether it was, you know, four years ago when I was sick, uh, canceled opportunities, uh, the pandemic where we were all in this limbo. Um, and that kind of spoke to me. And there was a David Bowie song that he had uh, recorded and wanted released after he died. And it was called No Plan. And it was this song I just remember hearing shortly after he had passed that just grabbed me. And it was, it's all about being stuck in limbo, being in a place you're neither here nor there. I think for him, um, it was about the limbo of, of the afterlife. Uh, that he was speaking of uh, the way I read it, it was just being in this pause. So it was reflective. It was trying to look to the future, but you're stuck in your tracks. And there was a, a the, the refrain of, of the song, the chorus of the song it, uh, has a lyric that says, um, uh, here I am, this is not quite yet. And I loved that statement. I love that idea. And I, and that's kind of how I built the album. It was around that, that idea of being um, consistently being stopped and paused. And then, you know, the songs that we had, we had talked about prior suddenly took on a different meaning than they had, you know, maybe two years before that mm -hmm. uh, looking for love. Uh, it's the same. It's those are timeless themes but how are they colored by uh, this mood of being in limbo? So I think the, the themes of, of many of the songs may be common, how we shaped them and uh, the arrangements that Mike came up with um, are colored by the experience that we all went through. Um, so that it kind of is all in there. Uh, doesn't hit anybody over the head, uh, beating the you know pandemic themes and loneliness yeah. and all that. But it's kind of all the subtext of there, and it's certainly in uh, the brilliant uh, writing that Mike did. It's really uh, exceptional. The you know you brought up the point about the pandemic and about <clears throat> leading into the pandemic, and you know you had your big year, and I think this happened to a lot of artists and you made a plus out of it. Some artists didn't make a plus out of it. They think for good reason. I mean, obviously, yeah. but you know, when you are going from gig to gig, to gig, to gig and playing and playing and playing and playing, it's really difficult to sit down and actually formulate cohesively a project like this. You know what I mean? I mean, you could slap a bunch of tunes together and put a bunch of things together and it would sound great, but the deeper meaning of this, sometimes having that pause uh, like the pandemic where nobody could go anywhere, you couldn't go out, gave you a chance and gave a lot of artists, I think, a chance to kind of reflect on what they've been doing, what they want to do, where they want to go. And that, to me, what you just talked about makes total sense with how you describe this recording, because it's almost like this recording the way it is probably could never have happened the way it is if you didn't no. have that pause and, and went on just stop because you had all this time to reflect and really think. And that, that really, I think helped a lot of artists that are able now that are uh, doing stuff because of what they did during the pandemic. Yeah. I think um, it, it was incredibly difficult, you know, to have that much time and to, and to think, um, my God, what have I, what have I done with my life? You know, the, <laughs> is this coming back or any clubs going to be there? You know, Who's going to show up to gigs? I mean, those those questions were really difficult. Um, 
for artists uh, in particular. Everyone, you know, individually had their own uh, difficult time with the pandemic, but artists really had to question not only their 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 income uh, and their job, but who they were, who who they are, because this is not just a job for us. It's who we are as human beings. And when that's all stripped away, uh, you have to really do a lot of soul searching. Like what, what was this all for up until this point? And will it come back? Uh, Mm -hmm. As far as recording, I may have done most, if not all of these songs um, two years ago, they wouldn't have been with these arrangements and they wouldn't have been um, from this perspective. Uh, you know, the songs and that, that was the, that was the final key that made it all come together for me. Like at first I thought, well, you know, there's a song like taking a chance on love, which is, a, has been a favorite of ours. And we always wanted to record it uh, after we had started doing it live. Yeah. Uh, initially during the pandemic, when we had talked about this, I thought, well, who, who sings about looking for love or starting new love or taking a chance on new love when the world's upside down. And at first I didn't, I didn't understand that. I didn't get why I would sing about that or, uh, but then it was, it was very clear to me that that's exactly what we all are going to do. We're going to, we want to rebuild. We're going to start again, but it's colored from a different perspective. It has to be. Um, uh, the politics, what we've all gone through in the last six years, like the division that we've all felt with family members or friends and just the country, uh, all of that has to affect us. Um, And I think it finds its way into the art that you create. Um, And again, not, it's not uh, hitting anyone over the head with, with those messages constantly in every song, but it's certainly colored. It colored the mood and the overall, um, the overall idea of the project. Talk a little bit about Mike Alamano. Uh, is he the, the musical director on this and produced it too? Is, uh, did he produce it as well? Mike and I produced and also uh, with uh, co-produced with um, Jim Galleretto. Okay. Who came on and, and helped us. Uh, Jim and I had been working on a, a different project to be released soon, um, uh, which was a, a lot, but it was a great problem to have, um, you know, several different projects kind of just said, let's do it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Mike and I had been working together. He's been my, my kind of my main, main guy as far as musical director uh, for, for many years now. Uh, and we had always wanted to do something together. Um, and then when we had this opportunity for this album, um, Mike's wonderful to work with because he had different uh, styles that he is capable of. And it's his own, you know, his own wonderful project that he just did, Vonology. You right. can hear the the ideas uh, that he's capable of and the direction that he can go in. What I love about working with Mike um, for me is that he knows intrinsically what I like to do. He knows where I like to create. He knows my strengths. He knows my weaknesses as as a as a musician, and he doesn't lose his own vision, uh, but he knows how to create within mine. So it gives it gives it pushes me in a different direction in a bit, uh, without losing the core of who I am as a singer. Uh, so it's kind of the best of both worlds. Uh, but he is, I don't recall ever bringing an idea to Mike, even the Bowie stuff. You know, there's a lot of jazz musicians that if you go to them and say, hey, I want to do a David Bowie song, 
they would immediately leave the room or say, <laughs> you're out of your mind. Why would you want to do that? Leave that alone. Um, Mike was always open to it. Yeah. Uh, even if maybe privately he wondered, I'm not quite sure where he's going with this, but he trusted me enough to say, hey, if you hear something there, let's find it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he has always done that with with every song that I'll bring to him. He said, okay, let's let's sit down and let's let's work on it together. Let's find you know this the core of what you're hearing here and where we can take it yeah. uh so yeah mike the mike did all of the arrangements uh i believe it's it's the yeah it's the first time he had ever written for strings and um and uh and ever written for a big group like this um, mm-hmm. so yeah it was a lot and you know mind you we're doing this as we're uncertain how long the pandemic's going to last uh people were bailing because they had gotten covid sure uh, so it was really stressful and you know i also would like to say uh, mike was doing this as he was working on his doctorate mike was doing working <laughs> on this as he was uh finishing the up vonology his major release on his own and uh, never once did i feel as if this was taking you know backstage of his other projects when mike shows up he's there for your gig um, yeah and always he's always present and in the moment and i think that's probably lessons he learned with with von freeman you know and that that he carries on now so it's been a a great uh a great working experience together personally i don't care for him that much but (laughs) nobody (laughs) really does he's just really no No, he's a he's a great guy. And, uh, you know, for for him to be able to write, I mean, obviously, the Von, uh, the Vonology, they just premiered it. I don't know if it was a premiere, but they just performed it at the uh, Jazz Fest, Chicago Jazz Fest. And I know when I saw him uh, a couple of couple of months ago, he was telling me about this recording project with you. And uh, he was very excited about the whole thing. So I mean, you know, I can't wait to hear the entire, um, entire recording in whole, because right now you're dropping out singles. So you've yeah. dropped a couple of singles. By the time this this tune uh, this episode drops, you're just going to be dropping it, I believe, today, which would be the Friday that it's coming out. So talk about the recording that's coming out this Friday because you're dropping trickling out a couple of singles, and then of course the big one comes out October 28th when everybody can get the release, and then November 4th at the Studebaker at 8 p.m. You can see the entire performance the entire album performed live right there at the Studebaker so talk about a couple of the releases that are out and I'm assuming everybody should go over to paulmarinaro.com to get the releases and sign up for your mailing list and all that if they aren't already on it sure yeah uh, the first one we um we dropped was I think September 16th uh so just a couple weeks ago we dropped uh, um, Born to be Blue mm-hmm. which um you know typically that song is done as a ballad um or you know kind of just in that vein and uh, a lot of people when they saw just the title that i was releasing a single they're like oh this is going to be beautiful and really heartfelt and it's it's not it's a really kind of uh jolt it's it's a great arrangement mike um really knocks it out of the park uh that's what the horn section and the rhythm section on that and uh it's I say this about every song, but it really is a joy to sing. I love singing uh, that arrangement. We've got really a uh, great, great response from that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's different. I think 
the fan base that I have 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 been has been so wonderfully supportive here in Chicago, um, and in those who I've been able to meet and sing for, um, you know, throughout the country, uh, but but particularly here in Chicago. But what's interesting is uh, if you talk to so many different fans, they all have a different idea a little bit of what I do. Or, or who I am as a singer, uh, there there's a there is a portion that would love me to sing their favorite ten Sinatra songs, which is <laughs> really not what I've ever done. But I I carry that, and hey, that's it's a compliment. So there's you know no one better than Sinatra in my estimation. There's just that was the top, but I've never really wanted to go and do Sinatra shows, even though we did the Sinatra yeah. the stands. But hey, if you have a chance to sing the original uh, orchestrations with the full orchestra, you take it. Absolutely. But anyway, this is really different. These these tracks are really different from anything I've done, uh, particularly Born to be Blue. While that might have been a song that I would have done, this arrangement is very, it's very new. Um, and it's definitely a new direction. So I'm, I'm loving the feedback. It's It's been really good. The next one, uh, Friday, uh, October 7th, is uh, one of the two David Bowie tracks that are on the album. Mm. Um, and this one is uh, 515, The Angels Have Gone. It features uh, the rhythm section, uh, plus the Kaya String Quartet, and also Alyssa Allgood singing backup, and Sarah Marie Young singing backup. So it's, it's really different. Um, we had done... Uh, right, I think it was my first birthday after uh, being sick. It was the first time I had come back. So it was 2018. I think that that July I had, uh, it was one of the first shows back that I was able to perform. And, uh, you know, the country was upside down. Relationships had been strained because of politics. Uh, it, it was ugly. And I think uglier than any of us uh, were ever uh, ever remembered uh, you know it was unprecedented the amount of just how low uh, mm -hmm. it had gotten and unfortunately still is and I heard uh, I was aware of this Bowie song it's from 20 uh, 2001 uh, from his album Heathen and I'd always loved the song but I heard it with different ears his his lyrics are different for me to interpret because uh, you know unlike Cole Porter or Johnny Mercer uh his are a little out there he's never right on he's never uh writing uh direct he mm -hmm. it's a little esoteric you need to kind of dig and fill in the picture and this one is is in that vein however there's something about it that i knew exactly what it meant for me and to me it was a statement about feeling that division and being being in that divide and you know looking to your past and choosing what you're going to bring from it into the future and choosing what you need to leave behind. And it's that, that, that definitive moment where, uh, you know, in the allegory in the song is about getting on a different train and taking a different track. I need to leave. I, I this isn't working for me anymore. Uh, and there was just a lot of, you know, that term, that personal turmoil of, of change that we all felt, uh, whether it was with my own, uh, my own family and friends or or just what we had all had gone through collectively as well it really seemed to speak to that and um we did it i've only performed it twice um uh at both times at winters with with the backup singers uh but at that point we had not mike had not written the arrangement for strings 
So when I wanted to record it, he kind of expanded it, added the strings and um, completed the the backup vocal parts. So um, it was always the plan to to have that on the album. And it, it the theme is perfect. It kind of just fits right in there, even though stylistically, it's very different from anything I've done. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. Uh, okay, so that's actually dropping today, which is when this is actually dropping. So everybody can go over to paulmaronaro.com and uh, sign up for his mailing list, first and foremost, if you're not already on there. And then second of all, get the track, check it out. And uh, the entire album, as we've already said, releases October 28th. You know, before we uh, wrap this whole thing up, obviously the show coming up November 4th um, at the Studebaker Theater, 410 South Michigan Avenue. Tickets available at fineartsbuilding.com. I'm curious because, you know, now after the pandemic and releasing a recording like this, you know, you're dripping out a couple of tunes in advance. And, uh, you know, obviously with the streaming and all that stuff, I know that that um, you're probably going to have vinyl, I would imagine, for this, which is going to be, uh, it just adds such a warmer sound to everything. So I'm glad that's really taking off and coming back. But I mean, what are some of the challenges right now, you know, getting the word out about the recording and then kind of what's the next step for this? Because, you you know, you put this project together and you're going to do the release show. I mean, are you going to take this on the road? Are you going to be able to do this in a smaller setting so you can get out and, and travel and get the music yeah. out? Those are a lot of loaded questions. Well, hey, um, that's what I'm, uh, yeah, what I'm actually, for, it, it definitely. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Um, it definitely is coming out on vinyl, although uh, the vinyl plants are so backed up right now um, that that'll be it'll come out in vinyl next year. I didn't want to hold off the release um, yeah. to wait for vinyl. Um, uh, but yeah, it it just I, I'm old school in, in many, many ways, but particularly with, you know, listening to music. I love the holding something. I love the the tactile, the physical product. Um, the challenge is always getting it out there, um, you know, getting the word out, trying to figure out all the digital links that you need to do uh, for streaming. Um, uh, I appreciate you sending people to my website. They could also go to bandcamp.com and find me on there. Uh, Bandcamp is a great platform for independent artists. Um, they allow people to listen to the track. Uh, you can You can purchase it for a dollar. You can download it. You can you know, people have been generous and you could pay more if you want. Um, you know, streaming, as everybody knows, artists make next to nothing. Uh, so we're really kind of just giving this music away for streaming services. We can't fight it anymore. There's nothing we can do. But there are platforms like Bandcamp where people can offer to pay for their music. Yeah. Uh, whether it's a physical copy or digital, you know, those those crazy old days when we used to actually pay for for art. Um, <laughs> as far as performing it, the, you know, the Studebaker is, is kind of the big shot, uh, to introduce the album. We were really, uh, we thought it was really important to, to perform the album as is with all of the musicians, uh, in a setting like that. We are having it filmed. Uh, so I may release a concert version of that, uh, in the future. And then we're really uh, we're looking to we we've already pared down most of the arrangements. Well, well, where they will work with a small group, so we can still do the music uh, to tour it. Uh, but we are hoping to find you know different venues or different opportunities where we can you know put together the full group uh, because that's really how this music was arranged. Uh, but that's certainly a, a, a challenge. 
because it's it's a big expense. Um, so we'll see we'll see how this one this one goes first. Moving forward, like I said, I do have another project uh, that will be released uh, early next year, and that's with uh, Jim Galloretto and uh, the Metropolitan Jazz. Uh, I always say okay. I always say the MJQ, which is a different group, different group. The right. MJO. Um, I do the same. I do the same thing, by the way. I know. Yeah. I the same thing when I'm talking to Jim. I'm just like, wait, wait a minute. You know, it get, gets it all flipped around. That's an incredible group. So you're actually putting something out with them. We already did. Yeah, that's finished. Um, and it was ready. To, both of these projects were on the finish line. Uh, when we started them, I, I we joked and said they're we're, they're probably going to be you know finished at around the same time, literally down to the week uh, <laughs> on the finish line. So. Um, so they actually held off the release so I can get this out first. Uh, but that's, that's a really exciting project as well. And uh, just picking up kind of where I left off and seeing what we can do with this and, and get back out there. And uh, this was, you know, I'm really blessed to have these, uh, this opportunity to work with these arrangements, with Mike's arrangements, Jim helping us out producing. Um, and just, as you said, you know, you read through the list of musicians and, it's it's kind of a who's who of of great Chicago players and it's and I have to say that the the sessions we we started recording in um right around Christmas of last year 2021 okay that's when we went into CRC we had a great uh recording engineer Matt Lejeune and uh the atmosphere in the studio was just euphoric everyone was so we were nervous because it was kind of right as COVID was peaking again. Yeah. Uh, everything was shutting down in January of last year again. I mean, exactly. You, you look back, it's not that long ago. Everything was like stopped. Had we waited one more week, we would never have recorded it. It would have been put on pause because everybody that was involved one by one started, you know, getting sick or was exposed in the, you know, that waiting period. Right. Right. But uh, being in the studio with everyone, we were just, uh, there was such a joy because everyone was so grateful to be making music and to be together. And uh, that's really the only way to, for me to make music is, is in those kind of atmospheres. Um, uh, so it was, it was, I was really fortunate and really blessed to, to do it when we did. So. Well, CRC is a, a legendary recording yeah. studio. I mean, and, and they have the bigger rooms and the smaller rooms. And I mean, it, it's just such a great quality space bass so i know the recording is going to sound just that way too and uh you know and a lot of people don't realize you know you, you you're getting the recording together you guys had to rehearse at some level right i mean just getting oh, yeah. all of these people together to rehearse had to be just and and during covid had to be like another level of of uh heavy lift in there to get this whole thing put together just to rehearse it yeah, it was, it was, um, <laughs> I'm getting the sweats just thinking about it. It, it was a lot. Uh, it was a lot of moving parts. And we just never knew from day to day, from hour to hour. You know, I would be checking email at midnight and getting, you know, Rajiv, Rajiv Halim had to, uh, had to bail. Um, he, we got him on, on one track playing clarinet, but he was supposed to be doubling um, for the entire album and he got COVID. Oh. So, um, so he, unfortunately he couldn't be on the project. I could, you know, there's nothing we could do. I couldn't, I couldn't risk pausing for a week because we oh. had no idea what was going to happen. So yeah, a uh, lot of moving parts and, you know, another great thing, 
we both realized like Mike and I were so close to this music and Mike really wanted to concentrate on leading his arrangements. So to have Jim come in and he's such a great guy, incredible musician. uh, But he was that wonderful calming presence as producer uh, in the booth with the sound guys. So we had every angle covered and it was just, just a great, just a great way to make music. There's a lot of levels to the recording process, and I, we're not going <laughs> to have time to talk about it now. But you know, it's it, not it, the, the, the number one key is to get the right people playing, all like-minded, and then have the right person producing. And Jim and Mike and yourself. I mean, you guys are all level-headed, calm, and you can you can get through things and make suggestions. And everybody probably takes those suggestions in, and that's what actually puts out the best kind of a recording you know yeah and one thing is you know i've learned from from the old pros and being uh, lucky enough to be privy to to uh, some of the old masters you know and who became friends of mine um you know you trust your gut and trust your own you have to be confident in what you know how to do uh but i think maybe even a bigger part of of the process is knowing when to let other people uh, put them in charge and trust them uh, who may have had more experience than you. So I'm pretty stubborn about what I want. Uh, but a good way to balance that out is saying, I know what I want. That's why I have Mike there. That's why Jim is there. That's why Matt is in the engineer booth and I'm letting them do what they're good at. So I can do what I'm good at singing into the microphone. Uh, yeah. So it was, it was, um, Past experiences, I probably took a bit more, uh, uh, I I got a little bit more nervous about that process because I was trying to micromanage and I didn't need to with with Mm -hmm. those guys involved. I didn't need to do that. I was able to to focus on uh, my role, um, you know, within, you know, of course I always, if I had a problem with something, you know, we would easily discuss it, but no, let, let the pros do what they know how to do. That's the that's the hardest part to, to let it go. But you have to focus as a musician. You have to focus when you're in. You can't be worrying about who's where, what's going on. Is the is this guy showing up for the next rehearsal or any of that, um, or next next session, next next recording thing? I mean, you got to focus on what you're doing, and that's the key. Yeah. That's how you put out the best the best product. So, all right, not quite yet. October twenty eighth is the release. Palmarinaro.com. We'll link everything up down below. Of course, Studebaker Theater, November fourth, eight p.m., four ten South Michigan Avenue. Easy parking. There's valet around the corner. You can even park down there across the street, down in the Grant Park Millennium Park garage. Walk across the street. Everything. Every, Paul's making it so simple for you. <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. So really, and for people who haven't been in the haven't been in the Studebaker in many years, or if you've never been in there, it really is a gem. And I'm I'm excited for them. Um, these, it's a great opportunity for for people uh, like myself, artists here in Chicago. Uh, the space is really. Uh, it should be utilized. So this is a great opportunity for people to kind of be present in there and, and see it for what it, uh, for the potential that it has. And it really is like stepping back in time a little bit. It, it's, it's a magnificent space. It is. It is. And Paul keeps changing his background. So now he's back. At the <laughs> I'm Studebaker. back. At the <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. I appreciate you being on. Of course, everybody go to fineartsbuilding.com to get those tickets and um, looking forward to November 4th and, and coming out and seeing the show. And, uh, 
congratulations. I Thanks, you know, Mike. Thanks for having me on. What an, what an undertaking. I'm glad you got it out. And then I'm, I'm sure we'll schedule another time to have you on for the next project, which is coming I'd love up to. soon. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's coming up. So it's awesome. All right. So everybody head over to palmarinaro.com, get all the information, November 4th, Studebaker. And of course, all things Chicago Jazz on chicagojazz.com. And thank you for watching. And as I always say, hopefully I will see all of you somewhere out on the scene. Preferably November 4th. <laughs> 